God is good, amen? amen? He's not just good, he's faithful, amen? In the midst of all this, you know, Pastor, that was a great segue into what I want to uh, share from the Word of God today. Because you know what? There is nothing in the Word of God that cannot be our greatest defense against any storm in our life. Amen? That storm could be loss. That storm could be depression. That storm could be anxiety. Anybody feel a little anxious when you go to the grocery store and your face has got to be covered and you just don't know what's going on? But the Word of God is our greatest defense. Amen? Right? There's no surety. Right? There's no surety in this world except for the promises that are in the Word of God. Father God, I thank you. <laughs> and I thank you exactly for that because it's found in your Word and by the unction of your Holy Spirit that we can receive it. Let us receive these words today from your Word, from your promises, and that they would go deep inside of us and find uh, let it be watered with peace. Let it be watered with prayer. Let it be watered with the power of the Holy Spirit that we can reject what the enemy caused as a curse for us. Lord, that would try to kill, steal, and rob us of our, job, of our joy, Lord God. I thank you, Lord. Let that be evident as individuals in this place and also as a fellowship that you united and put together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So far in 220... Uh, you look at the news and it's just riveted but with nothing but terrorism and all kinds of bad stuff, social and political uprisings. We've heard of uh, reports of floods and tornadoes, and this is hurricane season, right? All, all kinds of things. Each storm's magnitude seems to break its previous record, right? You look around and you think, it can't get any worse, right? We look at this COVID thing and we thought, that it was under control, and, and what? Like, there's outbreaks everywhere, and they're in greater magnitudes, the second wave or whatever they're calling it, uh, according to the news. It seems our world is, is just being battered and, and pounded by one destructive storm after another. One thing after another. And we can, we can grieve and are called to grieve with those that are in mourning, right? I don't know of anybody in the church that has lost anybody from COVID, but we can grieve with those that are just affected by it, affected by these uh, batterings of this storm. Businesses have been lost, homes have been lost, financial stuff has been going on, cars have been lost. While the news is filled with all this terror, many people across our nation are experiencing all these other things. And it's church people too, right? Right? The, the house of God has not has not not, double negative, been affected from these things. The storms are, are just as devastating, but maybe not as obvious as COVID out there. Again, storms of divorce, storms of death, storms of betrayal, storms of bankruptcy, adultery, addiction. These things are all storms that leave lives shattered, hearts broken, and hopes shredded. These things can have turned, storms have turned into nightmares. But the best shelter I know for all of this is the Word of God. Amen? The Word of God. So I cried out for God, for help. I cried out for God. I don't want to be anxious in this life. Right? Not just COVID. COVID is the apparent. COVID is what's in front of us. But when we cry out for God, He reminds us that He's got our back. 
in many ways, right? He is Jehovah Jireh still, right? He's still our provider in all things, in all things. So he reminded me of five things that I have in the midst of storms, and you have also. So I hope as I share them with you. Five things that can never be destroyed by wind, by fire, by flood, by COVID, by anything. Amen? Amen? So what, you know, apply this to what storm has struck your life. What storm is near to your life? As we were coming in to church this morning, and Mary loves storms for some reason, right? She had me put her in the car like two weeks ago. I mean, it was, it was torrid. Like before we even got in the car, the skies were black. I mean, it's coming down, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I put her in a car, and I drove her like, we live in Willow Street, so I drove her to, uh, down to Quarryville. I mean, I couldn't see anything. The white person going like this. I look over, and she's sitting there smiling, just as happy. And I'm like, we're going to be off the side of the road, but God's got our back because you, you love a storm, and I want to I wanna, I wanna please you, right? And just in thinking, you know, you know this year of 220 has not been the greatest for Mary and I, right? The enemy would do everything that he can to steal and rob our joy. And the joy of the Lord is what? According to the word of God, is what? It's our strength, right? We have authority in the word of God according to that, right? We have authority to crush these things that can be very disparaging and very uh, uh, destructive in our lives. So, five things. Five things I want to look at. Whether you're new to God's Word, or you've been very mature in God's Word for a long time. I don't want to say old old Christians, right? That wouldn't be good. I want you to join me in exploring the promises. And the first thing that I want to look at is uh, Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 52. And I'm going to read them. And this should be a familiar story, right? This actually happens right after the feeding of the 5,000, right? And that was miraculous as it was, right? But the disciples came away and they're like, how did this happen, right? They did everything in their power to collect everything they could collect to feed 5,000 people. They organized, they did everything, and then here comes this little boy with this. But they came away from this still not understanding what was happening. But Mark, chapter 6, 45 through 52, if you read it with me. And it says, Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Very important. When evening came, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. Jesus was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. About the fourth watch of the night, he went out to them. The fourth watch of the night is like in the wee hours of the morning. Okay, It's not like 8 o'clock and the sun just went down. Okay, um, But when they saw him walking on the lake, oh, I forgot a very important portion. Walking on the lake, he was about to pass them by. And, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and when the wind died down, they were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves, and their hearts were hardened. So right after the feeding of the 5,000, 
Jesus sent them away, right? And as I was reading this portion of the scripture, I'm like, but what's the plan in this? Right? There's got to be a purpose for this. He sends them away, and he goes off to pray, right? Jeremiah 29, 11, 12, 13, 14 says, God has plans for each one of us. Plans to, anybody know that portion of scripture? And, right, all the good things that come after that. So if the word of God says that he's got a purpose and a plan for each one of us, do you believe that? You might not know exactly what it is, but guess whose job it is to pursue that through the word of God? It's not the pastor's to get a prophetic anointing and call you up here every Sunday and, and pray the word of God and, and say, this is the direction that, under the shaking of the Holy Spirit that God has for your life. You have a responsibility to find out what the purpose is. You have a responsibility to find out what the plan is. Purpose. I looked it up. I always use my infamous uh, collegiate dictionary I turn to all the time because I like, I like words and the word of God. The, the definition for purpose is the reason, some, the reason something exists or is done, made, or used, etc. There's a reason why you exist. There's a reason why the disciples exist. You know, this was the end, towards the end of Jesus' ministry. Right? Right, because you look at a couple chapters, a couple verses down the road, and he was saying, I'm, I'm going to soon be 86 and get out of here. Right? But... I'm going to my father, and you're going to be left behind. And they, disciples, really struggled with that because they wanted to come along, right? Anyway, that, I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> God's will is purposely that we plan to know him, get to know him intimately as a person and draw close to him, then love and serve him with our whole hearts. If you don't know any other purpose or plan for your life, because it doesn't have to be grandiose, right? It doesn't have to be that you're preaching or teaching or evangelizing or fulfilling the five-fold ministry. Your plan and purpose is exactly that, to get to know God intimately, to serve him with your whole heart. Amen? And that looks like pretty much the same thing for each one of us, but we get a little confused and a little bit... Uh, discouraged when all these things, all the storms of life, right? Because one of the storms of life is, I read the Word of God, you know how many times I've heard this, I read the Word of God, but I just don't understand it. So I'm not going to read the Word of God. So how can we use the Word of God to defend ourselves against the storms of life if we don't read it? That's kind of an oxymoron, right? Right? Thank God he sent his Holy Spirit to teach, comfort, and guide us, right? Amen? Amen, right? We'll get to that part, portion later. But the disciples' will in this portion of Scripture was to be where they were at at the time when the storm struck. Amen? There was a plan. Jesus sent them away immediately. The scripture says he sent them away immediately. So you don't think he had a predisposed idea of a teaching, teachable moment for the disciples here, right? Sometimes, uh, sometimes we don't know the purpose and the plan for us because we just rebel against it when we know it. I know that I'm supposed to do it, but we willfully choose not to align ourselves with the word of God. 
And there's examples after example after example, right? Um, there, was a, there was a storm in uh, um, uh, Lazarus, his friend, right? There was a big storm that happened there, right? He died. I call it a storm, but again, you can, you can fill in the blank for a storm, but Lazarus died, right? Do you think that was part of the plan? I, I, I love Vicki because she's so close and I can hear her agreeing with me, right? That was part of the plan for God to have a teachable moment, right? And we all know how that ended up, right? There was a purpose to it. There was a willful purpose of God. You know, and I think of, of uh, um, Peter and John when they were brought before the Sanhedrin and they were teaching out in the courtyard and they were teaching around Jerusalem and they were pulled in, right? And they were told what? You better shut up your mouth and stop talking about this Jesus guy, right? And they told him plainly, we can't do that. And neither will we do that, right? So there was a, there was a situation there. There was a storm there, and they willfully chose to be obedient to God. See, there's, there's the plan. There's the, there's the correct or the righteous right end of the plan. When we choose against all odds, even when, even when we hear you've been to the doctor and you have cancer, well, I'm just going to give up, right? I'm just going to give up. Or COVID. I got COVID. I'm just going to suck it up and die. Come on. Come on. Fill in the blank, right? There's storms that come against our life that the enemy... Now, now I'm not talking out of both sides of my mouth. The enemy devises storms too, right? But this is what I'm talking about when immediately he told them to get into the boat and go. There was a purpose for Okay, there was a, there was God's plan was in it. So, uh, from these verses we know, and many more scriptures in the Bible, that swept across the lives of people that Jesus had met and ministered to, I think of Lazarus, right? When he got to the tomb, and uh, the sister ran up to him and said, where were you at? Where were you off ministering to? My brother would have never died. Right? Right? Anybody know that portion of scripture? What did Jesus say? Oh, oh, I'm falling into teaching, honey. I'm sorry. But he reassured her that God would be glorified in this moment. He didn't tell them that I was going to resurrect them right away. Because why? They probably would not have believed it. Right? Because storms come into the lives of everyone. You know, in in, uh, Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite verses of scriptures scripture, God works all things out for the good for those that are called according to his purpose and plan, even when these storms of our life come against us. But we're really too quick to forget that, right? We forget the word of God if we get caught up in the turmoil, if we get caught up in the storm. Here's the disciples in the boat, right, rowing their hardest, right, with the wind. Anybody ever see pictures of this portion of scripture put in an illustration Right? It's like the waves are coming up over the sea, and you know, it's like these guys are really, really, really struggling. Um, have you ever asked God to share a reason why you're going through your storm? There has to be a reason. There has to be a reason. Amen. With that portion, there is a reason. There is a reason. So, there's a purpose to it. That's one. Number two. 
We have Jesus' prayers. Immediately after they put them in the boat, what did Jesus do? He went off alone, went up the mountain, and he began to pray. Now, what do you think he was praying about? What do you think Jesus was praying about? Well, I just put him in the boat, right? I'm going to see how this all plays out, right? There's a, there's a purpose and a plan that's devised. It's a teachable moment. So I'm just wondering what he was praying about. But Jesus is openly communicating with the Father on our behalf. Amen? Right? It's one thing if Pastor Paul puts you in front of him and lays his two hands and anoints you. It's another thing if the Son of God is openly communicating with the Father on your behalf. Amen? Amen? Especially when you're in a storm. Especially when you're in your stuff that we call life and it's not going the way that it should. Right? Jesus is on his knees in heaven forever interceding for us. Amen. Amen. <laughs> uh, uh, John 17 says that he prays for us, especially when we're in the midst of a storm. Right? Jesus was about to leave. He was going to take off. And he told his disciples, again, I mentioned this before, but you have to remain. You have to stay here. Because i got a job to do. I'm going to be off praying for you. So you can fulfill your purpose. Right? So you can fill, fulfill your purpose, so you can continue on with the plan. The plan is what? What is God's plan? What was he saying in John 14? What, what our plan and focus be? It was telling the disciples to make more disciples and continue to make more disciples. And how do we do that? Right? We're supposed to be openly communicating with the Father to reveal to us through his word what his plan is for us. Well, Pastor Mark, come on. I can't be that guy that stands on the corner. I can't be that guy that's up front. But he has a plan and a purpose for you. I can imagine, and I know, that Bob loves to talk. And I would not, I would not put it past God to fill his mouth, the Holy Spirit, and remind him of the Word of God when he bumps into some of those mature people at the place that he lives to share the word of God, right? Or, or, or the young lady running the camera back there is never for lack of words either, right, Jolene? She's at never lack for words, and she has opened her heart to the Holy Spirit, and he's going to take advantage of that. Shut your mouth now. Now is not the time. Now, now it's all about me, okay, and God. <laughs> but he will use us, Right? He will use us, especially when we're in the midst of a storm. When do you seek out God the most? When you're troubled and when you're in the midst of the storm. So don't you think he would reveal to you, first of all, and assure you that I'm, I'm in the boat with you. First of all, I'm off praying for you, but I'm going to get in the boat with you and give you the answer. Guess what? Not only for you, but for the guy that's next to you, he wants to use us. That's fulfilling the purpose, right? That's fulfilling the will of God. Amen. Man, that, that means a lot to me, especially like this morning, like I had my Sunday school class praying, because there's a difference between teaching, and I say that every time I get up here, and preaching, right? Because I get just a little bit nervous, especially when senior pastor's sitting here, right? This is, it's a little bit different. I'm like, please pray that the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Anyway.
Uh, but I'm just glad that God is in the midst, right? There's a little storm for me this morning, right? It might be just little gray clouds, right? But I know there's a good ending, <laughs> according to the Word of God. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, for praying for me. Third one, um, we have his presence, amen? He is with us always. He promised, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, that could be a good thing, but also, when we go to places where we shouldn't, we forget that his presence is always with us, right? It's one thing to acknowledge him, Lord, I need you, I need you in the midst of this storm, and I know that you're with me, but don't forget that he goes with you when you go where you shouldn't, too. I just wanted to remind you of that. So his presence is always with us. When we pass through the waters, like in Isaiah in Isaiah 43, we used to sing this song, when, he, when we pass through the waters, we pass through the deep waters, right? When we pass through the fire, he is with us. That's his word. That's not just what I come up with, right? That's his word. He promises to hold our hand or whatever. And I don't like water, right? So when, when he talks about deep water, when I was at the beach yesterday, and my daughter's not here, but I only go out so far and in so long because I don't like it, right? Because I don't like it. I don't like what I can't see, right? And I don't like that I don't have control of what's coming at me, right? Does that sound like anybody when you're in the midst of a storm? Right? You don't like what you can't see, and you don't have control over what's coming at you. But we serve one who does. Amen? We serve one who does, right? And this isn't superficial stuff, right? This isn't, this isn't namby-pamby stuff. When we acknowledge him in the midst of a storm, according to his word, he's obligated, right? And I'm not saying like we're putting demands on God, right? Because it's a promise. He says, I will be there. I am there. His presence is always with us. Amen? He, he means it when he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He means it. He is there when you get that bad report. He is there when you're short of money at the end of the month. Anybody ever been there? But the, what do we have to do? In my prayer, I said, I had to cry out. I had to acknowledge God and cry out. Look, I got myself in a situation. Right? Sometimes, a lot of times it's out of our control, but even sometimes when we are and we get ourselves in those situations, there's an expectation for us to cry out, to call out. Anybody, I will call, anybody was there Wednesday? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be Right? He wants us to call on him. Right? In his presence. Acknowledge his presence in the midst of a storm. Right? A lot of times, be assured, he'll never leave us. Number four is we have his peace. Amen? We have his peace. In 648, he says, I want to go back to it. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he went out of them. Walking on the lake, he was about to pass by them. I kept reading this, and he was about to pass by them. And I'm like, what? why would he do that? Why would he do that? Like, he's acknowledging that they're there. But he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if they're going to call out. I'm going to see if they crowd. Do they really still need that me, or are they still dependent on themselves? Right? They were already to the point where they were already oared out. Right? Anybody 
ever got to that point in the midst of a storm where you've been, you've been oared out and you're straining against everything against life? Every bad report. And then you cry out. And his presence just like... Right? It falls. Not filtered either. You know what I'm saying? It's not a filtered fall. Filtered means it's passing through and, and it falls through a filter like stuff's left behind and only the good stuff gets there. Right? It's just instantaneous peace. Peace that passes all understanding, right? All understand. I, I can't I can't get I can't wrap my mind around this. That he says good. Just take it. That's my peace. That's why you can't understand it. That's that's my peace, right? That's the peace that passes all understanding, comes down from the Father of life for the Father of lights. And what did they have to do? They had to call out to it when he was about, call out for it when he is about to pass by. Um, we want this peace. Anybody want peace in your life? Especially when you're in the midst of a storm. How about when there's not a storm? Do we recognize that peace? Peace of God, let it rain. We used to sing that all the time. Let the peace of God rain in your hearts. Right? That's a, there's a benediction that, that's from the scriptures that we used to pray over uh, the congregation before. That we, let the peace of God reign in your hearts. Because we need it. Right? Again, nothing more so quickly can rob us of it but ourselves. When we start acknowledging the storm more than we acknowledge him, we rob God of doing what he wants to do best, allowing that peace to fall on us. Anybody can go through all things, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When that peace of God comes, there is nothing. We can go through a lot of stuff when we know that God is with us. His presence is there, and he's brought his peace along, right? I was reading in the Old Testament, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, right? And I think, Surely, goodness. I got, I got two angels on my side even when I'm messing up, right? They're following me. I think the peace of God goes before us. It's on our, on our sides. It's behind us. It gives, that, gives us that reassurance that we can do this thing, right? We can do this storm. We can do this life. We can, do, we can work out our salvation. That's his plan, right? For us to work out our salvation. Did he say it was going to be easy? I think as a church, over the centuries, we've kind of duped people into thinking, uh, just accept Jesus in your heart and, and everything will be just perfectly okay. Right? We forget to tell them. Uh, it should come with a prepackaged warning. Warning, warning, <laughs> warning. If you do these things, right? Even in the, old script, in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 26, he's saying you'll be blessed if you do, 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 do. But if you don't, do, 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 then the cursing will come. And that cursing is not from the enemy. That cursing is from God. Read it, Deuteronomy chapter 26. Uh, peace can be found in the midst of storms. Luke 24, Jesus appears to the disciples behind locked doors, and he said, because they were freaking out, right? You remember the situation. This was after he was, he was resurrected, and he came in his new body. And can you imagine Jesus coming to the door? And the first thing he said to them was, peace be with you, right? Put all that fear, put all that stuff away, and peace be with you. Grab onto that peace. In John 14, again, when he promised uh, that I'm going away, but the Holy Spirit is coming, 
He said, peace I leave with you. Right? And the thing about this peace that I'm talking about, it's a supernatural peace. Supernatural peace designed and manufactured by God. It's not like a peace or an assurance. Like, I use Mike Brown as my, all the time. Like, Mike Brown, like, maybe five years ago, he was beefing up. Like, that was his thing. Like, he was, he was Mr. Muscle, right? So, when we would go on outings and whatever, like, I could rely on him for the strength that I lacked. I relied on Mike, right? Right? Now, do that in the supernatural. How do you learn that in the supernatural? When he says, peace comes, but it's coming supernatural. Okay, God, I know that you said that you got this. Right? He's not afraid for us to test him, is he? Right? If he says, cry out to me, he says, call out to me, aren't we testing him in that? Because a lot of times it's to the point where you've exhausted, again, you're, you're all oared out, like the disciples were, then you decide to cry out. Uh, I say, I've been saying this, I've been on the mower lately, and God's been dealing with me on the mower, so I haven't cut the grass in two weeks. But he's, he's, he says to me on the mower, you need to repent of this. You need, you need to go and ask forgiveness for this. Right? When he's calling, he's calling us out. And I wasn't calling or crying out to him. I was just mowing the grass. I'm just trying to keep them straight lines. and You, you know what I'm saying? But he has a way of communicating with us that brings peace. I got you. This is not going to hurt, right? He disciplines and chastises those that he loves, right? We don't like to talk about a lot of that stuff at church, though, do we? Right? Chastisement. Chastisement, Bob. Because you've been rebellious and have not opened your mouth at the mature folks' home, right? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. In the midst of storm, it's a, a peace that comes that the world cannot comprehend. How can, how can XYZ be so calm when they have cancer ravaging their body? How can we as a church be so calm when co- this whole COVID thing is going on? Because we have the peace of God. The peace that passes all understanding. The world cannot comprehend. The world cannot receive. Right? If you're not a child of God, there's no way that you can receive the peace of God. Right? Because you will not have the understanding. Last one is um, we have the power. We have the power. Right? We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's look at, <laughs> let's look at these uh, last chapters, 51 and 52. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and when the wind died, they were completely amazed, for they had not understood the loaves, their hearts were hardened. Now what happened here? What did they not understand that they were totally amazed? Who commands the wind and the waves? You know what? But he didn't even say, recorded here, he didn't even say a word. He didn't say he, he made a hand gesture. He didn't say, peace be still. He said he climbed in the boat, right, in the middle of the storm, with the disciples, and the wind and the waves died down. When we have that kind of power with us, we have an authority, which we're not to abuse, right? Because we're warned, don't abuse this power, because it's not ours, it's God's, right? We have authority, we have a supernatural authority, a supernatural power that can do what? what why, do you think he, why do you think he gives this to us? It's, it's, again, to fulfill the very first thing, to fulfill the plan, to fulfill your purpose. You've got to know what it is. And then when it's superly, superly, 
superly enhanced with this power that comes from God, who is going to stop you? Who is going to stop what? You. You. Yeah, you. You. Nobody, but you can. Right? We like to, again, we like to say those things, but I'm in the midst of the storm, and the first thing the enemy wants to get us is out of the Word of God. Right? He wants us to get us out of, of, you know, repetition is not a bad thing when it comes to the Word of God. You look in the Old Testament, in, uh, you know, by the time the children were age five, they had the Torah memorized. Age five. Right? The first five books of the Bible. Have you ever read the first five books of the Bible? Right? There's words in there that I, I can't even say salute, what I would just mess up, super, supernatural or whatever. I can't even say that. And here's a five-year-old memorizing the Word of God. If it's not in us, we don't have that kind of authority. If we don't have the Word of God in us and we're using it for our defense and our offense, right? We won't have peace, right? You can even get hurt, right? You remember what happened to the, the brothers of Sceva? I, I love this scripture. The brothers of Sceva were sent out. They were disciples that were going out in Jesus' name. They came against the uh, demonic man, and they were calling it out in Jesus' name, and they were calling out, and Jesus said, and they came back, and they got the snot beat out of them, right? And they couldn't understand why, but we prayed in your name, and we did this, and we did this. And Jesus said, but that kind only comes out by, by prayer and fasting. Those are two words that we don't do too much in this church realm anymore, do we? But that would only be revealed how? By the supernatural power that God was uh, uh, exhibiting here, right? Anybody like tapped into the power? We recognize it, right? When I said power, like the church went, but do we really, really tap into it? Because when we tap into that power, changes and transition come, right? Because you will not stay the same way that you are right now when you tap into that power. There could be a power outage, right? You're saying, okay, I'm going to plug in, but as soon as I realize what's really going on here, I'm going to pull the plug on that, right? God doesn't want us to do that, right? He says we go from, from glory to glory, right? What, what does that mean? It goes, it goes from change to change. It goes from maturing to maturing to maturing, right? And that's what he wants, right? When he uh, um, did this again when he was taken up on the Mount of Transfiguration, a big churchy word. Um, there was some power that was revealed there, right? Everybody knows that story. Jesus was going up. Um, he said again, I'm going, I'm going away. Right? And Jesus was changed in, in a, winkling, a winkling of an eye. <laughs> he was gone. Right? It happened again when he walked into the valley and the demon boy was there. Right? The demon-possessed boy was there. And what, everybody knows the end of that story, too. Right? The boy was made whole. The boy was made complete. This was the power of God. Right? And, and we all know that Jesus did, didn't do anything except that his father commanded. Right? Again, it could be dangerous for us if we think that we got the power, like the brothers of Sceva, and you go out laying your hands on demon-possessed people and God never told you to. So be careful. We've got to be in the Word of God. We've got to be collectively with the Word of God. Um, again, in John chapter 9, when he fed the feeding of the 5,000, that power came. That power came. So, you know, when we, when we look around at all these promises in the midst, midst of, uh, of storms, 
right? And I'm not talking about impending doom, right? Because we look at COVID and all the stuff that's coming out, it's like you said it earlier. It's, we don't know how it's going to last, how long it's going to last. Like they want us to be in fear, right? And I'm not saying being stupid. I'm saying using wisdom. We're sitting here with masks on. We're distancing from each other. But I'm talking about the enemy wants to make storms of our life seem like impending doom, like that's it. That's the end. Spiritually, again, I can't imagine if I would lose my wife. I'd be taken off a step for I don't know how long, less the Lord. Right? You, you know people that have lost their, their mate or significant other have never recovered for years. Right? And they blame it on God. Right? It, they forsake the word of God and they blame it on God. So there's always, there's always things that can seem like impending doom. But he says, I give life and I give it life abundantly. And that comes through the word of God. That only comes through the word of God. Who gave you life? Of course, your mother. But who gave you spiritual life? Right? And then he comes from the Father. And when, he, and when Jesus said abundantly, right, when he, he's given you life and life abundantly, it's so you can fulfill the plan. So you can fulfill your supernatural purpose. That should not scare people in this room. Unless you're just coming here for a social event. Okay? That should not scare you if God's saying, I'm giving you all these five things. I only talked about five things. He's given us these five things so we can fulfill what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to keep it for ourselves. Amen? Be encouraged, again, to continue to explore God's word because we all have a purpose. When you leave here, hopefully it's not just a Sunday and a Wednesday experience for you. When you leave here, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and what? To my path. That means, does anybody walk on any given day? Anybody got to work, walk from this pew to your car? Or do you just like levitate and float out? Like, right? He's saying, I'm giving you my word. So the, feet, the place where your feet go, I'm going to guide you. I mean, take this seriously. I mean, I can jokey joke all I want up here. But when we don't take it as serious as God intended it to, he searches our heart, right? Look at David. Search my heart, O God, and What? Know my inner parts. Do you know that he does that anyway? <laughs> David just was being a little transparent, but he does that anyway, right? So it is a guard for us. It is an offense and it's a defense. And it is to get through these tri trials, tribulations, whatever you want to call it. I call it storms. Things, five things that the storms of life cannot take away. Be encouraged. Again, we have his prayers. Amen. <laughs> We have his presence, we have his peace, we have all his power, and it's all available to us every day, right? So we can call upon the Lord when it's very much in your face, or you can call upon it for somebody else when it's in their face, and they need somebody just to pick them up. Again, why do you think Jesus went off to pray? <laughs> I question myself, and then he's about to pass them by. I, I love it. He went off to pray alone, and then he's about to pass them by. He was praying for them, right? <laughs> we have his peace and his power all available us today, neither height nor death. Amen? This is a scripture. Neither height nor death or anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. 
will be able to separate us from, from the word of God except me. If I willfully choose not to uh, be that five-year-old Torah reader, right, and apply it to our lives, it's a dangerous thing to be called a Christian if we're not loaded with the word of God. Did you hear that? Let me repeat it. It's a dangerous thing to call yourself a Christian if you're not loaded with the word of God. Because he says later in the, the New Testament, study to show thyself approved, right? For what reason? Right, be in preparation for the time and the place when it's supposed to come out. Krister Kilby, got a word for you, I'll share you later because I don't want to embarrass you. But it's, there's, a, there's a time and a place and the Lord wants to pull it out of you to, so you can fulfill your purpose. Right? I was just kidding, I don't have a word, I'm just saying. There's a, there's a time and a place that he might say, pull Christopher Kilby aside, and he will use the word of God to either clarify, listen, clarify, give direction, whatever. He has a way to do that. Comes, If it was just me, Pastor Mark, you'd be like, but if you knew it was the word of God, now I'm not saying somebody abusing the word of God. If you knew it was the word of God, you'd go home and investigate the word of God. I would hope that you would. But you wouldn't take it at face value. You wouldn't take this power at face value. So again, I want to encourage you today to five things, just five things. I just want to uh, close in prayer. Apply it. Amen? Because that's his desire. His desire is not to keep us weaker and under his thumb and, and under submission. His will and desire is for us to become greater in the kingdom. Right? Isn't that what Jesus said? And Jesus didn't say anything that his father wasn't directing him to. So we are to become greater in the kingdom to fulfill God's purposes. Father God, I ask by the supernatural anointing of your Holy Spirit that the seed of your word that was planted today would find residence in fertile soil. And Lord, it might, it might come as just a reminder, but it, maybe it would come as a, as a fuel for uh, somebody that are in the midst of a storm or somebody that is just struggling a little bit with this thing that we call life. I ask that you would supernaturally water it. Paul said that one plants, one waters, one harvests. So Father God, I just ask that, that that would be replicated here even this morning as we leave this place. I ask for supernatural protection on what the enemy would try to rob from the time we get down to the bottom of these steps. I ask that there be a, a coveted protection on the word of God that was seated this morning. Lord God, give us your peace, and I thank you for ever interceding for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Be blessed, amen. Thank you.